This message is brought to you by Croydon Tabernacle, a part of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Our mission is reconciling the individual, community and the nation to God. Be blessed as you listen. Of the relationship we have with God will open up today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Lord, we hand over this entire teaching to you, that you will teach us personally in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Last week we started on the um, topic of the question why. And this is just part of a fivefold message or a fivefold series of messages. And I don't think you need me to tell you what the other four parts will be. If we started with why, who can guess what the next one or one of the next ones will be? Who? Okay, let's be, let's be. So we started with, wh with why. Next one. Okay, what or who? Okay, say who. Next. Uh, when, how, where. <laughs> I don't know about the which one, but uh, <laughs> which will come under all the others. Praise the Lord. Or we might add two, two additional ones to make it seven. Praise God. So who, what, where, why, why, and where. So today we're going to deal with who. And you know, the reason why we're asking these questions, the year is running to a close. I don't know where this year has gone. I really, honestly, have no idea where this year has gone. I don't know about you, but to me, this year seems to have run faster than all the other years. I really don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because a, a couple of things changed in our lives as a family and which made time just pass so quickly. It seems as if it was just yesterday we were saying Happy New Year and now we're almost saying Merry Christmas again. It's scary, you know, and sometimes you just sit down there watching and before you know it, time has, has passed and you know, children are growing up. Young people who were born like yesterday are getting married and having babies. It's like, oh my God. You mean this, ba this baby is now having a baby. Awesome, you know? But, um, and then you look in the mirror and you see a few more gray hairs. And some of us still go and get the dye and, you know, paint it. And the guys go and they, are they is it level zero, Abby? It's level zero. Is it one? No, it's not one or zero. So that you can't see anything at all, you know? Some people look young because they don't have the gray hairs, but when they forget to go to the barber, then you remember that, oh, it's true. You're actually getting a bit older than you look most of the time. Praise the Lord. But we thank God for the grace of God. Because last week when we started asking the questions why, some people have been sending me texts to say, oh, wow, Pastor Enka, in fact, you know, I didn't ask those questions before, but now I'm asking, why is this going on in my life? Why am I here at this point in time? Why is this? Why is that? They've started looking deeper into things. Because like I was saying, I said, in any life, what you can see physically with your eyes is only the stem, the branches, and the fruits of a tree. What you cannot see is the roots. And the root is the determining factor of what you see on the outside. If that root is rotten, brethren, over time, the rot will eat up through the, through the tree and eventually that tree will die. If that rot is not arrested on time, that tree can be permanently dead. And that, the death of that tree can be the death of a generation. Brethren, that tree being permanently dead can be the death of a generation. It can affect millions of people. You know, I don't know how many babies are aborted that, that have been aborted that is responsible for the problems we are facing today to which we can find no solution. Yes, I don't know how many babies have been aborted that their death signifies that some people will remain in permanent bondage for life. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but the de if, if, if some certain things are not reversed on time, a total, a, a, an entire generation can be wiped out. And you may think to yourself, what does what Pastor Inka is talking about have to do with me? There are some questions that if you do not ask the reason why, and if you don't get the answer to why you are here on earth, it may be responsible for the death of people who are coming after you. There are some questions that if you don't solve them while you are here, 
it can make permanent, it can, it can result in permanent damage for the seed that has not even been born. Look at the, the story of Gehazi. Gehazi was a prophet, the prophet of Eli- the, 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 the um, sorry, the assistant of Elisha the prophet. When Elisha cursed Gehazi, he cursed him and all his seed coming after him. So the entire line, anybody who had the son name Gehazi was cursed even before they were born. So what I'm trying to say is, brethren, we need to wake up. We need to become more aware. We need to become more sensitive to what is going on around us. Our lives are not here to, we're not here to play games. And brethren, the enemy is not playing games with us. The enemy is not playing games with us at all. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the spirit of God. Thank God that we are called by the name of Jesus Christ. So the battles that an unbeliever will fight and die are battles we will fight and live. Are battles we will fight and win. An unbeliever and you may be going through the same, the, the same problem. An unbeliever will take um, medication and you know commit suicide or jump off a cliff. Somebody was telling me a story of a day she went to work and somebody just opened, a, a patient just opened the, 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 the window and jumped from the, he climbed to the roof, the top of the roof, and from the roof she saw this man jump down and kill himself. She herself, by the physical, by the, um, 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 by the visual watching, she was traumatized. She couldn't go to work for months. Just by watching, looking at somebody kill themselves in front of her, she could not, she was traumatized for months. She couldn't go to work. So the, 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 the grace of God is what is keeping us, brethren. The grace of God is what is shielding us from the harsh realities of life. There are some problems that some of us will go through, brethren. If not for the grace of God, you would have given up long time. You would have been hospitalized. You would have been on depression tablets. But God is still keeping you. We need to give glory to God. But we also have to have an assignment. It is a daily assignment. It cannot, brethren, Every man's story is different. Don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. I don't compare myself to anybody. I don't. I don't compare myself to those who are high. I don't compare myself to those who are low. I don't, I don't grade myself in, in um, comparison with others. Because the Bible says comparing themselves to themselves, they are not wise. It's not wisdom to compare yourself to somebody else. Why? The way God sees you is different from how people see you. The way God sees you is different from how you see yourself. You must look at yourself from God's viewpoint, not from yours. And so the reason why we must ask the question why, so that we don't remain in bondage longer than necessary. The Israelites, I was teaching last week, I said the Israelites were meant to be in bondage for 400 years. It was written. It was, it was given to their forefather, Abraham. He told them, he said, your people will be in bondage for 400 years. The Israelites spent 430 years in bondage because nobody asked the question, why? Why are we here? Have you asked, why, why is my situation going on longer than others? Why am I going through this longer than others? You must have an indication into your condition. You must have it. Nobody should be able to tell you the reason why you are where you are. Because if you know the reason why you are where you are, you will know that God has a, a prescription for you to get out of that situation. And as long as you follow the prescription verbatim, doctors, you go to a doctor, you go to a GP, they give you a prescription, they say, take two tablets three times a day with food. You now decide that's the week you want to fast, but you want to take the medication. What's going to happen? It won't work. It will either give you stomach ulcer, or you will be sick, or you'll be vomiting, or something will go wrong. There will be an adverse reaction. Why? You didn't follow the prescription that you were given. So in any situation, any condition that we are, brethren, God has a, a prescription for every problem. There's nothing God cannot do. But you must take the initiative to ask the question why. The trigger for the deliverance of the children of Israel was that when they started to cry to God by reason of their bondage, their pain, they had had enough. They were tired. They were, they were frustrated. They were, there was no, it, it looks as if this, this problem can never be solved. That's when God now heard. You wonder, what was God looking at all the 400 years they were in bondage? They didn't cry out. 
after the 400 years, it was time for them to be free, but they didn't cry out. Praise the Lord. So please, I just want to encourage us. As we go towards the end of the year, let's begin to meditate. I want 2016 to be different for all of us. And I know it will be so in Jesus' name. But brethren, you have a part to play in it. Let's move on today. We're going to ask the question, who? And we'll start from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Where's Brother Bolaji? Okay, he's my timekeeper. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was um, um, sharing this morning, I said, when he just says God, that's the first introduction we have to this God. We want to ask the question, three questions we want to answer in this series. Who is God? Who am I? Who is the devil? Or who is the enemy? Who is God? Who am I? Who is the enemy? Those are the three uh, uh, parts of the curriculum of the School of Disciples, which I encourage everybody to join if you haven't done it already. Praise the Lord. So who is God? He says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before this, we didn't have any introduction to who God is. And the first introduction we have is that he created the heavens and the earth. He didn't tell us anything about him before now. He just told us exactly what he did, what he started with. And if you are, uh, you know, wh when you study your Bible, brethren, you must always ask yourself deeper questions. You must always study your Bible as an adventure, a personal adventure, a personal education, a personal journey of discovery. So if this God created the heavens and the earth, look around the heavens and look around the earth. Just, you know, do a search. Go on to Google. And just look at the wonders of this world. Look at the, the, the oceans. Look at the mountains. Look at the, ah, the trees. I don't know where, I think we went to the shop the other day and um, my niece was saying she wanted a plum. Yes, there was a particular plum she ate at home and she wanted the same one. And we went to the shop and we looked everywhere. We couldn't find it. And um, eventually, she said, is this a peach or a plum? She said, ah, but there are so many here. I said, yes, God was, he, he would have been very um, bored if he only created one plum. So he had to create several. He would have been bored if he only created one apple. Have you ever tried to shop for apples? There's Jazz Apple, there's uh, Pink Lady, there's Granny Smith, there's uh, Golden Delicious, there's uh, <laughs> Cooking Apples, there's em Empress, I think it's Empress Apple. Where is Empress? Is she around? <laughs> there's an apple named after you. Praise the Lord. You know, they're all, God would have been bored creating one apple. It's not good enough for God to create one of anything. Look around you. Check. It's not good enough for God to create only one race. There have to be Chinese, Japanese, and inside the Japanese, there are several uh, sub-Japanese. It's not good enough for God to create the black race alone. In the black race, in my own, where I come from, the, the, in fact, even the... Um, <laughs> Even the Ekiti uh, state that my husband is from, in Ekiti state alone, there is Ijero Ekiti, there is Ado Ekiti, there is, um, help me now, Ikere Ekiti, there, is, uh, there are so many Ekitis, and every Ekiti has their own personal characteristics. Are you getting it? In one nation, in fact, it was in India, they said they, they worship about three million gods. Different, different, um, different idols, different ones. So each person has maybe an idol in his house. It, it's not enough for God to create only one of something. Can I have that replacement, please? It's not enough for God to create only one of something. He has to multiply it. God is a magnificent, multifunctional, diverse multi-creative individual. His wisdom is past finding out. So this simple statement that introduces us to our maker is one of the deepest statements in the Bible. God created. In fact, just, 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 if you are, if you are going to dissect every word in the beginning, God, just that word alone, God, you can use your whole life to study that word. You will never graduate from that discovery. And so I wonder why it is that we say we are too busy to read our Bibles. I wonder why it is that we say we are too busy to find
for hours on end. But we cannot find an hour to pray. You say, if I pray, I will fall asleep. Even Pastor Adeboye falls asleep when he prays. He told us a story one day that when he was a younger Christian, when he's trying to pray, he will fall asleep. If he kneels down, he will fall asleep. If he stands up, he will fall asleep. If he, if he leans against the pulpit or the pillar in his house, he will fall asleep. Then if he wa- then he said, okay, he was trying to walk up and down. He tried to walk up and down. He was still sleeping as he was walking up and down. So he said, okay, he will go from the top of the stairs and run down, up and down. And that's the only way he was able to conquer sleep. That's the only way. So you're not the only one who's facing that. It is an old game of the enemy to try to, as soon as you try to pray or read your Bible, sleep that you have been looking for for the past three hours <laughs> will descend upon you. And by the time you wake up, three, four hours have passed. Some people have done it before. I've knelt down on my, on my leg at, um, say, maybe 11 o'clock at night. By the time I opened my eyes, it was 4 a.m. So I don't kneel down any longer. I don't kneel down to pray at home. No. If I'm in church, I won't sleep. But if I'm at home, oh my God. So brethren, don't be discouraged by if I want to spend time praying, I will fall asleep. Find a solution to it. Sometimes do your ironing and be praying. Yes, because you will, uh, you will fall asleep when you're ironing. I can assure you. <laughs> I can assure you of that. You will fall asleep when you're Yes, so uh, try, don't try and fall asleep when you're twice. If it happens once, it will not happen twice. Praise the Lord. So yes, iron, while you, are, while you are praying, whatever you do, challenge yourself to go to a deeper level with God. There is no, there, there is no way your, your depth in God today can be the deepest you can get to. There is always a greater depth, a higher height that you can challenge yourself to be when you want to discover who God is. He said God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator. He made everything. It's only a fool that says in his heart that there is no God. And you know, sometimes we think it is a fool that says there is no God because he's an atheist. You know, the Bible tells us that anger dwells in the bosom of fools. What does that equate? Thank you. Also, an angry man is a fool. And an angry man says there is no God. So if anger is my problem, I have to work on it to make sure it doesn't make a fool out of me permanently. You can deny, because when you are angry, honestly, at that point in time, what you are saying is, please, 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 I don't care about God right now. Please, nobody should mention God to me. It may not come out of your mouth like that, but that's what you are saying. Praise the Lord. I want to challenge us to get to know God deeper. As 2015 ends and 2016 comes up, let it be one of your goals. I want to know God better. I want to be a better person. I want to be better behaved. Somebody was saying in the um, Sunday school this morning that sometimes when people see the pastors, they say, oh, good afternoon. As soon as the pastor turns around, it's like, "Mm -hmm." a different story, a different language, a different tale. The Bible says it. He said, by the words of your mouth, you will be justified. By the words of your mouth, you will be what? Condemned. Whatever comes out of your mouth is what would speak against you. If you are foolish enough to lambast or speak against a man of God or a woman of God who God has called, that that did not call themselves, it's over to you. You have written your own sentence. So why would, even if, if people are talking like that, don't even bother to correct them. Just carry your bag and move. If you know that that is not what you came here for, just carry your bag and leave quietly because they've written their own sentence. They've written their sentence. It's, it's, it's guaranteed. Be sure. One thing I know, the word of God will come to pass exactly as God has written it. It's what you say with your mouth that will justify you and it's what you say with your mouth that will condemn you. So if you want to be practicing, we're treating hypocrisy in the Sunday school this morning. Please, I want to encourage you. If you are not attending Sunday school, try and attend. Especially for those of you who don't make it to um, midweek services. You don't come, you don't, you're not able to come to midweek services. You are not able to come for one reason or the other to Friday prayer meetings. Try and make it on a Sunday. There are some things that are being taught that will, that will help you. That will help you to grow. That will help you to stimulate your faith. 
that will help you not to be a pygmy in the Christianity. Some of us have been coming to church for years, but nothing has changed in our character because we're not exposing ourselves to the teaching that can transform us. The purpose of teaching is so that our characters can be transformed. You need a transformed character to get into heaven. If you go to heaven, if some of us go to heaven the way we are now, they will bounce you back like a ball. Boom. Back to where you are coming from. True. If you go to heaven the way your character is now, without any further transformation, they will bounce you big time. They will use bats and ball to bounce you back to where you are coming from. Because our characters are not being transformed. And our characters need to be transformed, brethren. We must, we must make ourselves... There's no amount of work in this world eh, that should make you incapable of, of presenting yourself for additional teaching apart from a Sunday. Okay, let's say you are so busy in this world. You are the assistant and secretary to President Obama. You are so busy. Your... your, your, your your diary is so chocker that, you know, you just cannot come. At least come a little bit earlier on a Sunday so that you can attend the Sunday school for some teaching. I can only do so much during a service. We can only do so much, you know, on a Sunday. We can only do, talk about so much. And then many times you can't even take practical examples as much as you would like to. But when you are hearing other people's maybe challenges, questions. Somebody was asking a question in the um, Sunday school this morning. He said, if a couple who are boxing themselves at home, playing uh, gidigbo, as, I, as they say in my place where I come from, you know, boxing themselves, arguing, fighting, quarreling, and dying at home, now come to church and pretend that everything is okay, which most of us do. Praise the Lord. Because no, nobody is going to come to church and start boxing their wife in church. Nobody is going to come to church and start boxing, uh, abusing their husband in church. You have abused him at home, told him how ho hopeless he is. But you will not come to church and come and do that. He, they asked the question, they said, is that hypocrisy or not? Somebody was asking, the definition of hypocrisy that you are teaching us right now, because didn't, didn't we um, hypocrisy and how we can be hypocritical and how to change from being hypocritical, how to you know, redeem ourselves from hypocrisy as Christians. Because it talks about Ananias and Sapphira, how they lied, and as a result of that death, um, that lie, the Spirit of God struck them dead. The, the, the wife died first, then the husband. You know, they, they both died, and they were buried on the same day because they were united in their hypocrisy. So they were asking that if somebody comes to church, at home they have just finished boxing themselves, and they do that regularly. Is that hypocrisy or not? And I said, it depends. Because sometimes marriages are difficult. Marriages are conflict areas, areas of conflict. But it depends on whether that couple is working towards a reconciliation. What is the key there? Nobody, because, I mean, I'm sitting here I'm talking right now. Marri everybody in this room who is married knows that marriage is not easy. It's not an easy thing at all. It's a university of emotion. If you can pass the University of Emotion in marriage, my God, you are great. I tell you, you should get a badge, a PhD, a, a medal, and a star for that. Praise the Lord. So at some point in time, they should, somebody in that relationship should be saying, I need this to stop. Somebody in that relationship should take the initiative to stop that, that situation continuing. So it's not a question of whether it's hypocrisy or not. It is a question of whether... Somebody is taking the initiative to stop that condition from being a permanent one. Are you getting my point? So say, for example, your marriage is like that. Are you getting it? Let's say that's what's going on in your home right now. I can't see by, by it written on people's faces. And unless anybody comes to me to say, this is what's going on in my home. Or the Spirit of God says, well, this is what is going on in that family. I'm not... Um, uh, I cannot see, see, um, see it by looking on your face. And most of the time... You cannot see it by looking at the couple. Because when they're in church, it's like, wow. Uh -uh. Some people will even be saying, I want my marriage to be like that. <laughs> Not knowing that if God dares to answer, that's your prayer. Oh, Lord God Almighty. Some people have prayed that prayer, and all of a sudden, there was war. They want, yeah, we have just been praying prayer. What happened? You prayed the wrong prayer. Praise the Lord. You know, it's not written on anybody's face. But if you hear that kind of discussion or that kind of question being asked, and an answer being given. It is a solution to a problem you have been facing for 10 years. 
Are you getting it? Just by hearing what other people are saying, by hearing a teaching, by hearing what a testimony that was given, it can solve a problem that you have been going through forever. So make the time to listen to the word of God. The word of God is not replaceable. There is nothing in this world that is so precious to you that you will say is more important than exposure to the word of God. Because the word of God is the solution for every problem. The Bible, I was thinking about it. I said, ah, do you know, this Bible is just a book of stories. Of human stories. Stories about human beings. That's all the Bible is. A collection of stories about human beings. Stories. The God is the greatest storyteller. Can you imagine how somebody, look at the story of Joseph. See how Joseph came to pass. A man loved a woman. And his, uh, after deceiving his brother, the father-in-law deceived him and gave him a wrong wife. After working for that one for seven years, he said, this is the one I really love. He said, I'll work for this one. So 14 years, two, two wives. Then God now looked at the situation and said, okay. He loved the second wife more than the first wife. So God said, okay. Every time you lay a finger on this woman, she will give birth. She gave birth to six sons. 50% of the tribe of Israel was given to birth to by Leah, one woman. Gave birth to 50% of the whole tribes of Israel. Isn't that a storyteller? What a story. Even Nollywood can't tell that kind of story. Amazing. Then he now said, okay, after she cried, 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 oh, the man said, what is wrong? Please leave me. Oh, She said, if you don't give me children, I will die. Ah, he said, oh, my God, please leave me. Don't stress my life. Stress in a home. Everybody can relate to one aspect or the other in that story. Finally, she now had two children. And out of the two that she gave birth to, one was the prime minister of the whole world. Just one child. That should tell you a kind of prayer you should pray. That God lets my child have the anointing of Joseph. That's the kind of prayer that you are. You know, so what I'm trying to say is that the stories in the Bible, they give life changing lessons to everybody. There's no time you open your Bible, you will not find something that will affect your life, that will impact your life. You must find time to read your Bible and to get to know this God. You have to. That should be your major assignment. It should, it should, it should dwarf any other thing in your life that you are going on about right now. I'm not saying don't be busy. I'm not saying don't study. I'm not saying don't, um, don't work. Of course not. If you don't work, you're going to starve. Nobody's going to feed you. I'm not saying don't do anything that you are busy doing. But when you work so hard, you do not have time. You are so tired. You don't have time to come and listen to the word of God. You need to look at your priorities again. The question we're asking is, who is God? Let's look at um, Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29. Where is Bola Bolaji? How many minutes do I have? Where are you home? Home. You are supposed to be giving me. Sister Lola said, don't talk. Give me placard. Praise the Lord. 29.13. It says, you will seek me. And what? Find me. When? When you search for me with what? God is not cheap. Not cheap at all. No way. He's not cheap. If you think you are going to treat God like a coffee cup, you press the, um, what's it called? The, you put in your coin. You put in your coins into the, uh, some of us, when we want to give offerings, coins that we drop. Boom, and then you put it very close to the bottom of the thing so that it won't make noise. Then you drop it. I've seen you. They will carry the coin so that if they drop it, it will make boom. So, so people will, human being. They are doing that for a human being not to see. But the person who is actually watching, he sees everything. You put your coins, all of you. That good jobs, though. Not that you are, you are unemployed. Good jobs. Rubbish offering. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you like, don't greet me when you get outside. You have a good job. You are giving a rubbish offering. Who gave you oxygen to breathe? If he collects his oxygen back, what's going to happen to you? Come on. 
Brethren, let's treat God. God is not cheap. He says, you will seek me and find me. When? When you have searched for me with what? All your hearts. Come on. Which man is going to marry a woman and has no job? And she will say, oh, I love you, I love you. And then he has no job, nothing to offer, no house, nothing, no. He's not carrying you anywhere. And you are coming from a home with parents. And they ask you, what does your husband do? He say he doesn't work. He's still living with his parents at 20, 36. He's living in his mother's house at 36. So where are you going to live? <laughs> That's all he has. He will carry you to his mother's house to go and live at 36. And also, he has no plan to move out. And you, Mumu, you carry yourself and, and go and answer him and move into the house. <laughs> God has to have mercy on you. He, he, he's living at home. Okay, fair enough for now. But he has no plan to move. Why? The, the hotel of mom and dad is paying for the car, the bills, paying for the food, doing his washing till now at 26 and you carry yourself, you, you mother, you allow your daughter to go and marry that kind of person. Come on. What am I trying to say? A man who, who is serious about any relationship will spend money. Why? Because wherever your heart lies, that's where your treasure will be. If you truly love God, brethren, giving will not be a problem to you. We don't have to be begging you to give. You need to check whether truly you are seeking him and searching with what? All your heart. There's a level of giving, there's a level of giving. But whatever you give, brethren, if you give with all your heart, it will make a connection with the person you are giving it to. To make a connection. You know how it is when you want to give birthday gifts? Many of you. And you don't have, you don't have a lot of money. <clears throat> I always say to people, if you don't have money, just put five pounds in an envelope and write anonymous and give it to the person. <laughs> Instead of going to go and get something that, in fact, when the person sees it, it's like, ha, what was on this person's mind when they gave this gift? You don't give God just anything, anyhow. Even if you want to give God, do you know something? It's better, really, that you don't give anything than give a second-hand Something that's... Do you understand? What, what I'm trying to say is everybody's situation is different, but put it into perspective. Most of the time, we spend money on our children. For a child, you will, you will spend your very... If you're a good parent, there's a, there's a, a story that a, a woman put a 12-year-old, 10-year-old child into a washing machine and pressed the button. We did it in the um, workers' training this morning in, South, in Korea. She had, it, it's because she, I, they will say it's because she didn't give birth to the child. That's what they will say. But she put a 10-year-old, stuffed her in a washing machine. Maybe the girl did something wrong, I don't know. And she put on the, the button. And the thing was turning. And the child was inside. Most people are sane. That one is insane, for sure. But most people are sane. Most people are loving parents. Most people, even if they are step, they, they are still... They are still they, they are, they are, so what I'm trying to say is that when a person is normal, they spend a lot of money on their children. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Because if I make that blanket statement, it's not everybody that spends a lot of money on their children, but most people want the best for their children. You think about it. You have a job or a livelihood, income, that is good enough for you to be able to afford the best for your child. And being a good parent, a sane parent, you will do your very best, especially in a land of opportunity like this. You will go to extra lengths to research and investigate what is the best way of bringing the very best potential out of this child. For an observant parent, you would have been observing the growth of this child, noting the strengths and the weaknesses of the child. So that anywhere you are going to guide or direct this child to go will not be because your mother was a doctor. No, sorry. Your mother was not a doctor and wanted you to be a doctor. Therefore, since you failed all your um, physics, chemistry, biology, and maths, you now want to impose your broken dreams on your child. That's not the situation. 
you have been watching this child growing up. You know the child is strong in the area of science. And you want to encourage this child to do the best that they can. So you look around and make sure you educate this child, one, to the best of your ability and knowledge, and to the best that your income can carry. That's a, that's a parent. Yes, you are doing your best. But then, if you have that kind of responsibility to the flesh of your flesh, you also have a responsibility to the person who makes, it cap- you, makes you capable of giving that kind of benefit to your seed. That's why he's saying, you will seek me and find me. Many of us cannot find God because our level of giving is poor compared to the benefits God has blessed us with. Many of us will never be able to to really experience the the, the goodness of the living God because we are tight-fisted and stingy towards God. When it comes to any other thing, oh wow, no problem. But when it comes to the things of God, we've been announcing here in this church now for a very long time about the building fund. I think maybe only four or five people have given. And if we count together what they have done, what they've given so far, it can't even paint that entrance. And you walk past that entrance every day. I've made up my mind that before, in the next few weeks, that entrance is going to be painted. You come in, you look to the right. As you are going out, I want you to look at that entrance. As you are coming in or going out. When you are going out, just look to your left. If you are going out, it's on your left. If you are coming in, it's on your right. Look at that entrance and tell me how you feel about seeing that kind of entrance if it was in your own home. It's going to be done. I want to encourage you, brethren, don't get to the end of your assignment here on earth and let there be queries on your account. Do your best to seek the Lord with all your heart. Do your best to make sure that all your responsibilities are fulfilled. Your first responsibility in life is to fulfill your obligations towards the Almighty. Your second responsibility in life is to fulfill your obligations to your family. Your third responsibility in life is to fulfill your your obligations to your community. And that includes making sure that you witness to as many as your life can touch and impact. Praise the Lord. Because of my time. Let me look at Isaiah 9.6. Our question today is who is God? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Praise the Lord. Something just came to my mind. I want to share it before we uh, take that Isaiah. Just to buttress what I said about your first responsibility to God. Sorry, before we go to that one, let's look at um, verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Says, just to buttress what I said as your your responsibilities uh, in order of priority. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. He's somebody to be feared, brethren. He's loving, he's kind, but God, one, is also a judge. Remember that. One day I went to the court. They summoned me to court for a driving offense. I don't know what I had done. I can't remember now. It was so long ago. Someone made a call for a driving offense and I had ignored some letters they had written. I think I kept pushing it until they said, okay, I must go for what is called speed awareness course. How many of you have been? Don't lie. How many of you have been to a speed awareness course in this room? Don't lie. There must be somebody here. It's not possible. You have been. Okay. Somebody nodded. Uh, Two. One, two, three. God bless you. Four. Uh I know my colleagues. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's not possible for there to be a congregation like this. Nobody has been so it's impossible. By the time I came out of that speed awareness course, I was born again. My driving is now born again. I'm telling you. <laughs> I will tell you that story. Another. How I became born again through speed awareness. I'll tell you. Uh, yes, I ignored the, the letters and 
you know, I tried to book the speed awareness course, but something happened and I couldn't get through. I think the computer messed up or something. So I just ignored it. Then they summoned me to court and I had to go. When I stood before the judge, I was trying to explain myself that they, I, I did do this, but unfortunately the expiry date passed, blah, blah, blah. She just said, well, sorry, Mrs. Ayane, that one is passed for now. You cannot appeal. Bam. Three points on your license. Guy. That day, I wanted to jump out of the window. I was so upset. Three points. I was going to say, Lord, but excuse me, Your Honor, but don't you think that uh, sentence is too harsh for the offense? I didn't do anything now. What's the big deal? You know, something like that. Then I recognized, that was the moment I recognized that. On that day, brethren, you won't be able to give excuse. Judgment day. Oh, Jehovah. Give all your excuses now. Do all your receipts now. Fail all your exams now while you are here on this side of heaven. Do all your receipts and pass every exam of qualification you need because when you get to that judgment seat, there's no more mercy. There's only mercy now while you and I are alive. And please don't get the impression that I'm talking to you. I'm also talking to myself. Whatever message I preach to others, brethren, I preach it to myself first because the Bible says teachers are going to have the higher judgment. The, the, the standard God is going to use to mark my own exam is higher than yours. So I don't kid around with what is coming out of my mouth. When it's coming out of my mouth, if I find that I am guilty of it, I will now add, I'm sure when you are listening to me, you, you will hear me say, to you and to me. I include myself in that preaching because I know that my judgment is going to be much higher than yours. Why? Because I hold the responsibility by holding this microphone to speak. And if the enemy can point at me and say, you, uh, you, uh, who are you preaching to? You know, in, in some families, husband and wives are pastors. When the pastor is preaching, the wife is, you know, is <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, that means it's so funny. The wife is, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> It's so funny, honestly. Because half of the things the man is preaching, he's doing most of them at home. And he's preaching against it. Praise the Lord. Or vice versa. Praise the Lord. So please... It says, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. You need to fear God, brethren. When you move, when you go and do anything, before you do it, ask yourself, if God were physically in this room, is this something I can do? That's the question you should ask. That's the question you should If God were physically present in this room, can I do this thing? If you can't do it, don't do it. Don't. Because one day, it will find you out. There's no way. If in this country, things that people who live, people like Jimmy Savile, all those, um, Rolf Harris. How many of you watched Rolf Harris videos when you were young? I remember Rolf Harris. I used to watch Rolf Harris in Nigeria. Animals and children. Rolf Harris turned out to be a child abuser. My God. The Bible says there's nothing hidden that will not be exposed. Don't do it if God, you know, is present in the room and you cannot do it. Don't do it. Please. He said, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Another version says, this is the whole duty of man. The reason why you are here is to serve God. Your whole existence is about God. God created you for himself first before others. You, are not, you don't even belong to yourself. You are not your own. You belong to God, body, soul, and spirit. Everything about you, everything about me is God. He, you can't do anything without him. If you breathe, the oxygen you are breathing is from him. The carbon dioxide you are exhaling is from him. The money you are spending belongs to him. If he decides today that that job you are so crazy about and you are there morning, afternoon, and your family don't see you, if he decides today to remove that job from you and that you are not working for the next six months, what are you going to do? You can't do any... Are you going to go to heaven and take a gun and shoot him? You cannot fight an, in quotes, enemy you cannot see. Praise the Lord. So let's be smart. That's what I'm saying. He said, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Thank you. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And brethren... The judgment on the last day is going to include how did I serve God when I was here? What is your level of service? What are you doing 
in the house of God. What are you doing? Apart from personal uh, quiet time, Bible study, prayer, whatever. What are you contributing to the progress of the house of God? You were created for God. God owns you. You are a slave. You have been bought by his blood. Thank God you are not a slave that they are beating with belt and cane. But you are a slave to the Lord. Everything about you belongs to God. You are, you are God's property. I am God's property. He can do anything he likes with you, with me, anytime. So I just want to encourage you. Let the, 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 the closeness of your relationship with God begin afresh today. Isaiah 9.6. Let's just go through some of his names and then we'll close. Oh my God, look at the time. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. That's how you know that a microphone is my calling. <laughs> because when I'm behind the microphone, I forget myself. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. What I really want to get to is this. His name will be called what? Wonderful. Brethren, let's go one by one before we pray. Wonderful. You should be able to look at yourself and say, because of the living God, I am wonderful. I say to people, I say, any man who says there's no God, all you need to do is look at yourself in a mirror. You will know that there's a God. Because you are not a mistake. Even if your parents told you that having you was an accident, you are not an accident. Because, and if you look around, as far as, the last time I looked, as far as I remember, everybody I looked at has two eyes in their head. The eyes are not coming out of their bottom. The hands are at the end of their arms. Everyone I have ever met that is a normal human being. And when I say normal, I mean that is in correct condition, born correctly, has a head, two eyes, a nose, one mouth, two legs, two hands, ten fingers and ten toes, and everything is inside their body, not on the outside. And it's the same all over the world, brethren. That is wonderful. That is the definition of wonderful. That you can create a system that keeps on repeating itself without interruption. That you can create a system that houses several different systems. Digestive system, respiratory system, uh, reproductive system. Which one again? Nervous system. Doctor, which one again? Circulatory system. All in the same body, working without clash and no noise. In a, in a car, when you start it, vroom, vroom. By the time you are going, you will know whether the car is a diesel engine or a petrol engine by the noise that it makes. And it tells you, the more expensive a car is, the less noise it makes. When you hear Tokumbo, you know that this one is on its way out. But you go to those cars that, you know, when they start the car, it's like, it's like, ah, Except if it's a Maserati, they just want to make the noise, just so that when it's going down the street, people will know that this is a Maserati, fine. But those cars, they're silent. Have you ever heard anything going on in your body that is, apart from when you are hungry, of course, your body begins. <laughs> and that's to alert you that, hey, you have not fed me, oh. I need food. Praise the Lord. Everything, five different systems or more going on in the same body. No clash, no noise, no mistake. Come on. This is wonderful. I talked about counselor. The Bible is your counselor. Whenever you have a problem, read your Bible first. Even before you call the pastor, open your Bible and pray. Before you call your pastor, what does the Bible say about my life? Don't panic. Nobody should be able to threaten you are going to die. For what? The Bible says, I shall live, I shall not die. You tell the devil in his face and then you can call for um, additional prayers. After you have told the devil, I am a child of God, I will not die. Until God says so. Praise the Lord. Let the Bible be your counselor. Mighty God. I was telling someone on Thursday. I had the greatest news this year. Because we've been praying. Shea Foundation is a ministry that supports people who want to have children. Because of my personal challenges with you know, giving birth. And... We've, uh, we started this foundation last year, launched it um, at my 50th birthday, and we were praying that this year we will have babies to give testimonies. 
we had been praying about because our next, um, please help me give out those leaflets to those who didn't collect them last week. Our next uh, fertility conference is coming up 20 21st of November. So it will be a year since last year, since we started. And we said, we need testimonies of women who have come to this ministry and have had babies. And on Thursday, a lady rang me. She had the baby in July. After attending the program in November, nine months after, God has already done it. Mighty God. If you hear this woman's story, she bled throughout the pregnancy. And every time the bleeding came, she told God, Lord, she foundation faith that you gave me must see me through this. I've not discussed bleeding with you most high. That's what she told me on the phone. That the faith she received from that conference saw her through. She had a bouncing baby girl. After 10 years of barrenness, mighty God, brethren, mighty God, you should be able to have testimonies in your life of when God has come through for you mightily. But brethren, you must be willing to pay the price. Everlasting Father, that speaks of a, an intimate relationship with your father. Others may tell you you are nothing. God never gives up on his children. There is nothing that anybody can tell you you should swallow that is negative. You must always believe that you have an everlasting father. And ever, I thank God because the word everlasting means forever. Praise the Lord. Prince of Peace. We talked about Prince of Peace at the last FOL. So if you want more on the Prince of Peace, get the CD. Let's rise to our feet. We've talked about who is God. We've talked about worshipping him, serving him, seeking him with all your heart. Thank you for listening. We hope that you were ministered to through this message. If you have any comment on this presentation or would like to contact us, our address is 38 to 40 Parsons Meet, West Croydon, CR03SL. To speak to a member of our team, you can call us on 0208-688-466. Our website address is www.croydentabernacle.org.uk. Thank you and God bless.